Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. Hello and welcome to the 19th tee for your weekly dose of golf without the jacket and tie. Kieran Marsh back with you, joined as I always am by my playing partner, Nathan Drudy. And before I bring in Mr. High and Wright himself, might I say uh, quite an able job at steering the ship on your own last week. Drewster, <laughs> welcome to the program again. Thanks, Mace. Excellent to have your company this week. Uh, it's always better having two people, better than one person's uh, voice rabbiting on uh, trying to recap a big week in golf. Yeah, absolutely. And I will, I will offer my profuse apologies to both yourselves uh, and, and our listeners. Uh, probably yourself more so because it was a late pullout. Uh, I, I went downhill pretty quickly last Monday night. And, and what I will say to you, Drew, is I've spent the last week feeling like I imagine I would if I had swum to the island green at the 17th at tpc sawgrass and then decided to sleep uh, covering nothing uh, covering myself with nothing but the flag stick uh, overnight and waking up the next day feeling like a truck had hit me that's what i felt like for the remainder of the week not well and it uh, it hasn't been pretty but without complaining about the man flu we've come out of the back of it and we uh we are better for it and better for what was uh and another outstanding but this one in particular uh, something special very very special in the world of golf this weekend but we will get that to that uh, very very shortly Drutes we start as we always do with our beer of the week what are we looking at this Mate, week we've got the uh, the young Henry's new town uh, a pretty exciting beer um, on the market this week it is an Australian pale ale 4.8 percent 35 IBUs it certainly doesn't pack a lot of punch from a, a hoppiness and bitterness perspective very sessionable, uh, I'd suggest, at 4.8%. Um, and it is named after the place where the brewery began over in Newtown. So let's give this one a crack open because I'm keen to see how this one turns out. Straight into the top of the microphone. Mm. Yeah, I really do like that one. First impressions, uh, straight off the top there. It's, uh, it's got a lovely, clean taste. Uh, first mouthful droids. Yeah, the pale ale. It's uh, it's going to kick goals all the time. I think um, it's one of the benefits of having a pale ale in your in your uh, standard lineup is they're pretty hard to stuff up. Is an Australian oh, pale yeah. ale. Absolutely, and all those hipsters down there in Newtown, I'm sure, love the Newtowner from uh, from from young. I'm sure Henry's. they do. I'm sure they do indeed. <laughs> I'm sure they do indeed. I'm going to assume that you being down down and out with the, the man flu that you didn't get to play uh, any golf over the weekend, then I'm going to take it. I didn't, mate. I uh, I stuck to watching over the weekend. I was parked, uh, well and truly on the the couch. How about yourself? You, you, mm. I know I know you did get out a, a number of times. Actually, you played enough golf for both of us across the weekend. Yeah, I did. Much to the uh, the the disappointment of my girlfriend. Uh, unfortunately, I, I snubbed Ames for the, the the weekend. I managed to get out to Caramar Golf Course up in the northern suburbs of Perth, which was a, a spectacular little course, and I highly encourage anyone to get out there and play that. Ended up with 30 Stableford points, so I was pretty happy with that. 97 there and then uh, managed to sneak around at Maylands today for 28 points and, and a 103. So not 
impressive scores. Nothing to write home about, but it was nice to uh, to get out on the course as as always. So hopefully you're back out there very shortly. Yeah, I envy you, Matt. I envy the time that you've spent there across the past 72 hours. And as you say, I'm, I'm looking to get back out there as soon as I can. Very excited about an upcoming trip to New Zealand, which we will speak yeah. about a little later in the program. But without any further ado, Drudes, let's get straight into the winners and losers. I do have the honours of taking this week's winners. That you and do. I don't know that there would be any other place to start uh, at the very, very, very top of this list. A great the man. man himself, Eldrick Tiger Woods. Oh, Tying yeah. history oh, today. Yeah. He tied the great Sam Snead with his 82nd victory on tour. And he, of course, took out the inaugural Zozo Championship in Chiba, just outside of Tokyo, Japan. And, and Drude's, uh, I, I really find it hard to put this one into words. I, I was thinking about it today. I, I had to sit down, you know, in preparation for the program, throwing some notes together. And I thought to myself, I think what makes this so special, and, and, and when I say this, I, I suppose we talk about the, uh, you know, without wanting to overstate it, the second coming of Tiger. It is the resurrection. Uh, the resurrection of Tiger. And we speak, of course, the stretch that, that started back at East Lake at the Tour Championship at the back end of 2018, um, you know, that continued on at the Masters last year, but Augusta National, uh, and is now in this little patch here where, if we're honest, of all the three victories, I thought he looked the best here. Yeah, I agree. East Lake, uh, without taking anything away, obviously small field. It's the last tournament of the year. You have to qualify to be there, small field. Um, the Masters, I think more than anything, he, he rode a wave of momentum. Yeah. Re- realistically, if Francesco Molinari had finished that tournament the way that he should have, then we would have been talking about an unbelievable run, maybe into second place. But the, but the aura of Tiger ate Frankie up and, and Tiger went on to create a famous victory. This one here, Drudes, outside of his three bogeys to start the first round on Thursday, I'm not sure I've seen him look this good. Yeah, I agree. And and that for me, so dialed, particularly with his irons and his putter, that for me is what's so exciting about this because I think maybe uh, prior to this, there was a a fear that maybe Eastlake was a flash, that maybe the Masters was the the major he was always going to come back and win and maybe that was it. Would we see him able to sustain that success? It was always contingent on the body. And, mate, the body seems right. Because what we've seen in the past four days is Tiger something near back to his best. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was the most confident that he's looked uh, for a long, long time. I think I think you're right. I think this this weekend he looked more confident than, than what he looked at the Masters um, and, and any other tournament that he's really played, to be honest. I, th- I know he, he bogeyed his first three holes, but then to go on and, and you know, finished 19 under, three shots ahead of Hideki Matsuyama, who who kind of imploded on the last hole a little bit. But um, Tiger was, I thought, once he was leading at the end of the first round, that he wasn't going to going to lose that that tournament. I think I put a question on Twitter trying to get an answer as to you know what his conversion rate is after leading from from round one, uh, and it was something like 18 of 33 or something something very very good. Uh, and then obviously. The more he kept leading, uh, the the higher that percentage got. So I couldn't be more excited to be a Tiger fan um, than today. Obviously, um, we're going to get into it a bit later around President's Cup and, and everything else that that holds. But it was awesome just to see him um, so channeled, so dialed, as you mentioned, um, and just 
hitting really, really good golf shots continuously for, for four days. There are some great stats, which I, I do want to dive into in, in just a moment. You, I suppose you teased us there with his ability you know, to go on with a, a first-round lead. But I think what makes this, this run so sweet, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, Drudes, but to see him back to almost his best or something near his best or something that at least could be considered his best now that he's a little bit older than what he was in his prime is the fact that for so many of us, who grew up watching that initial run, who who grew up with Tiger Woods, the reason why we loved golf, who grew up uh, knowing no other player to be as good or near as good or even in the same straight as Tiger Woods. I think we felt, uh, we felt almost robbed that the story had been cut short. Uh, and, you know, whether that was the breakdown of the body, whether that was his own indiscretions away from the course, we felt that that, that, that shooting star never quite hit its peak. And that it was always going to be an unfulfilled talent or an unfulfilled um, story, uh, at least to its, to its rightful conclusion. And now there seems to be this simmer of hope that he has got his body back to a point where he said it himself today, I'm never going to be able to hit it as long as I used to, but I'm thinking my way around the golf course. Mm. And it's it just, it's exciting Drew's, to know that, that there's an opportunity that we may see a protracted run of success from, uh, I think now, undoubtedly, the greatest player that's ever picked up a club. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, and I, th- I was, you know, doing a bit of research on this today and, you know, of his 82 wins, um, 71 of those came before the age of 34. So there's no doubt that since, uh, you know, since he's turned 34 and, and into his, I suppose, latter years of his, his career, um, he has slowed down. There's absolutely no doubt. And there was a lot of stuff that's happened in, those, in that time. Um, but for him to come back and, and, and I mean, friggin' hell, we're talking about the Masters. He won the Masters this year. That's not, that's not a tournament that you just rock up and win. That's the best players in the world playing uh, on an incredibly, incredibly tough course. And then obviously he went on and won later in the year. And then to win the Zozo as well. I mean, look, it was a great field. It was pretty bloody tough conditions out there. And I think for him to to really produce such a solid performance, I think that was the most impressive part. Even if he didn't win, um, even if he ended up, you know, falling down to to two, three, four, five, wherever he finished, um, I think that was still the most confident that I've seen him playing for for quite some time. So I thought, you know, he's a very, very deserving winner on the top of your list. And and to be quite honest, if you didn't have him there, I'm sure that'd be the end of this podcast. <laughs> couple of stats Struits, just to articulate the performance and of course uh, we do thank uh, Justin Ray uh, who we who we do give massive raps to here in this program and if you're on Twitter and you aren't and you aren't following at Justin Ray Golf do yourself a favor he is the best stats man in the game of golf but a couple of stats to just uh, finally articulate how good this performance was 27 birdies for Tiger across the week that is one short of his career high in any PGA Tour event. One short of his career high birdies in any PGA Tour event just this week. So that, that, that in and of itself, quite phenomenal. 261, his score across the four rounds. It ties his third lowest 72-hole total score ever on the PGA Tour. Third lowest. This is the type of form that he is in at present. It is the eighth time. He has opened a PGA Tour season with a win. And this one, Drew's for me, is probably the most exciting. The eighth time he's opened a PGA Tour season with a win. In five of those previous seven instances, 
he's gone on to win at least one major in that season. Hmm. Five of the seven, he's gone on to win at least one major that season. So are we in? Could number 83, could the record breaking, of course, he equaled the, the, the great, the, the, the revered Sam Snead with 82 uh, wins now. Could uh, the, the chase for 83, in fact, be a, be a major? Could it Wouldn't it be, be a story? Back-to-back masters. It, it, it's just, love him or loathe him, we've said this time and time again, and we are unabashed fans of his on this podcast, but love him or loathe him, golf is better when he is on. Correct. And if we are in for a year whereby he he chases a major, whereby he potentially goes to uh, the President's Cup, which we'll talk a little bit later on, which whereby he potentially represents uh, the USA at the Olympics, which I think... Um, he said that's a goal. He wants to do yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's becoming increasingly more important to him to, to turn out at, uh, at Tokyo 2020. So... There's a lot on his plate this year. And of course, as we say, it's always contingent on the body. But if he can keep himself healthy, uh, we could be seeing uh, that, that elusive, uh, consistent run of success that we've, we've, we've been so desperately craving for him for some time. Absolutely. It'd be amazing. It'd be an amazing, amazing story if he um, can win a major and get to 83. Now, Drew, second winner of the week, and, and I do really want to make a special mention of, of this group. It's the ground staff at the Accordia Golf Narashino Country Club. Now, Drew, the ground staff, in my, in my humble opinion, are often uh, the first to be blamed and the last to be thanked. That often seems to be the case on the tour, that, that players are, uh, and, and fans alike are, are more than willing to take a whack at courses when they don't come up well, and it's the last thing you think of when... Uh, when they do, but the superintendent and their staff this weekend, great job, unbelievable. When you consider uh, that a typhoon hit Chiba over the weekend, so not not a, not a storm, not a rain event, a typhoon hit Chiba over the weekend. I'm, I'm not sure whether you caught uh, Ian Poulter's uh, video on Instagram yeah. of what he claimed to be the tenth. Fairway, I, I could have sworn it was a local Chiba River. Yep. Outside. Tokyo. Shocking. Seven inches of rain on yes. the course on Saturday. And to see it in the condition that it was in for the closing holes this morning, unbelievable. Yeah, great job. Unbelievable performance to get up. Uh, by all accounts, no sleep for the superintendent and their staff over the weekend to ensure that the course was ready to be played on on Saturday, on Sunday and to finish on, on Monday. But you know, this fairy tale story that we're talking about in terms of Tiger's 82nd, we're not possible without the ground staff getting the, the course in playing condition after a, a horrific storm. So Absolutely. second winners of the week, my, my hat goes off to the ground staff at the, the Narashino Country Club. Agreed. And just finally, Drudes, um, number three of the week, uh, golf in Japan. <laughs> now, I mean, we've spoken in, in chapter and verse on this podcast about the, the growth in the Asian region. And of course, this, uh, this inaugural Zozo Championship is the second of three uh, back-to-back tournaments in the Asian swing for the PGA Tour. But it was quite remarkable, to, to, to be fair, not only to see the fans turn up, uh, the way that they did to 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 turn up in droves and to vote with their feet, but but even in the days preceding the tournament, uh, the way in which they welcomed uh, the players at promotional events. I, I saw uh, Tiger himself. I saw Jordan Spieth 
uh, even the the commissioner um, yeah. speak about the the, the turnout. The, the commissioner went on the record and said it's the tour's intention now to uh, go to Japan every year to hold a to to hold an event there. Such was the welcome, and such was the success of this. And and that can only happen if your people uh, and if your fans embrace the game. And yeah. and I think the way in which the, the the Japanese golf fans got out in in the tens of thousands across the weekend and, and and the respect they showed the players and the way that they embraced um, this tournament in its first year, mm. uh, a huge pat on the back. And the skins game as well. Absolutely. Now, obviously that there weren't too many people at the skins game and we would have liked to have seen a few more yeah. there, but I, I think it bodes well moving forward. As I said, that the commissioner keen to go back there every year, but of course we have the Olympics there next year. And I, I think that, um, I think the way in which they have invested in golf in Japan, uh, I think it helped that they had their homegrown hero and Hideki Matsuyama uh, yeah, going so well. close, mm-hmm. played so well and, and pushed Tiger all the way. But, you know, they had a, they, they were enormous, the fans in Japan across the weekend. And I think they made the event and, and, a, and a very quick um, special mention as a bit of a tag on to this third and final winner to uh, the CEO of Zozo, Yusaku Mazawa. He was, he was essentially the man responsible. He, he trumped up the cash to get the players to the tournament. He got the tournament off the ground. This is a, a, a man who's quite, uh, it takes a lot of risks. He's quite fragrant over there in Japan in, in a typically conservative business environment, uh, but it's, it's successful. Zozo is uh, currently set for a 400 billion yen or $3.7 billion tender offer from the Yahoo Japan Corp. So he knows what he's doing. He's an incredibly successful businessman, but also incredibly passionate about the game of golf and its place in Japan. And he was the the, the person who pushed the PGA Tour to come, worked in conjunction with them to get this tournament off the ground and invested wholeheartedly in it himself to ensure that it was a success. So to Yusaka Mazawa and the Japanese people uh, from the 980 podcast, we, uh, we, we say a wholehearted arigato gozaimasu because Absolutely. it's been an outstanding weekend of golf. Absolutely, it has. I think it raises a really good point, though, that, that the PGA Tour doesn't just have to be played in America. I mean, we've seen throughout the opening few tournaments of the year, crowd numbers haven't, even, haven't been that great. You know, um, I mean, we're in Vegas and, and it was one of our losers on, on you know, uh, in an earlier episode. So I think, um, you know, for Japan, uh, for the Japanese golf fans to get out and vote with their feet has been massive for the tour. Um, but it raises a question as to why it can't, why the tour can't expand further. Why can't we have a PGA tour event here in Australia or New Zealand? Um, and I know that the simple answer is financial cash, uh, cash, but the cash is the, king, baby. But there's a Japanese tour going around as well, so you know we can't fold that we've got you know the PGA Tour of Australasia. I mean, we had the Victorian PGA happening this weekend. I mean, like I'm sure that would have happily been trumped by having a, a PGA Tour event here. So, um, but I also think that Australian golf fans don't necessarily vote with their feet uh, as well as we would like them to. Um, so, I mean, there's a few reasons, but I think. It, I've probably answered my own question there, just going off of my own little monologue. But um, I think um, good question, Druids. Well answered, Druids. Yeah, uh, but I think it's a I think it's a fair question. Like why? why you know, we, why are we not having the discussion about having a PGA Tour event here? That's something that's standing. Uh, it would generate massive amounts for for tourism. Uh, I mean, we know we throw tourism money behind a whole range of other things. Um, there's no reason that we can't uh, look to have a PGA Tour event here in the future. We can say we can say it's purely cash based, but but I, I don't think that's entirely fair because you've also got to be willing to take the risk. Yeah, 
you look at a man like Yusaku Mazawa, he took a risk. Yeah. You know, he, he obviously he has the financial backing to do so, but you've got to be willing to put yourself out there. You know, the Twiggy. PGA you know, something, Mr. Forrest, uh, the, the PGA tour aren't going to come and knock on your door. You have to go and bang it down. Yeah. And that's exactly what he did. So you have to show a willingness, a desire, a, a want to have golf in your backyard. And right now, I'm not, I'm not sure that there's anyone in the Australian um, business community who, who is passionate enough to put their money where their, where their mouth is. Correct. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Let's move on to the losers. Hey? Losers, my friend. Yes, please. Right. Loser number one. Fringe players on the U.S. President's Cup team because one of the four spots is taken. Tiger Woods is going to play at the President's Cup in 2019, according to me. Uh, I think had he not performed well this weekend at the Zozo, I think that he uh, potentially would have put someone else in there. But I think the fact that he was able to to um, play really, really strongly across four days showed that he's um, still capable of mixing it with the best. And, and I think that that's going to put him in good stead to, to actually play. It looks like his injuries, uh, touch wood, might be behind him uh, for, the, for the foreseeable future. So, and, you know, he was really confident uh, before that, you know, he said that if he could get through this weekend, then he'd, he'd hopefully be playing in Australia as well. So, uh, and there was that great quote, of course, after the, the, the tournament actually finished as well, um, where he said, well, I can't remember what the exact quote was. The, the question, the question to him was, uh, "What does or what did uh, what did the captain uh, Tiger think of the player Tiger's performance?" Yeah. And it was something along the lines of uh, that the player certainly caught the attention of the of captain. the captain. Yeah, yeah. So I think Tiger's uh, I think Tiger's in there, but um, I mean we're going to touch on that a little bit later on. So we might move on from the Presidents Cup uh, team to um, the CBS broadcast team is another loser for me. Um, they are going to lose Gary McCord and Peter Costas in, in 2022. Um, fantastic uh, analysts of the game. Their contracts haven't been renewed by CBS for, for 2020. So disappointing for the golf fan uh, who enjoys hearing uh, Gary and Peter. Um, you know, Peter's a fantastic analyst of the game. He, he loves to break down swings and, um, and provides a very good overview in very simple terms about what players are doing and aren't doing. Um, Gary McCord's going to go back to, to teaching um, golf uh, and he might write a book as well. And I think um, that would, would certainly be something that I'll be picking up. But CBS broadcast team is my second loser for the weekend, Marshy. I think it's um, a little bit disappointing that we lose two very good analysts of the game from, uh, from, a, from a good broadcast team. Great talents and obviously voices that have become synopsis with with the game of golf and, and its analysis. I mean, I I I think that they have been um, outstanding in their careers to date. I'll, I'll reserve my judgment on whether or not we lose out of this until we see replacements. Yeah, I, I think. think uh, yeah, I don't know who that is. That yet though. That's exactly right. The natural the natural progression is is evolution in the commentary box. That's that's only natural, and I think that. I will completely agree if there's an obvious hole left and they don't replace it, uh, you know, don't replace, replace it appropriately. But I think I'll personally just reserve my, uh, reserve my barrel for CBS <laughs> until we see those, uh, those new names. 
Well, on face value, they're going in my losers column. So that's where they can lie for until they announce a, a good replacement. Um, and my final loser of the week is Brooks Kepka. Uh, obviously didn't play this weekend. Yeah, speaker. Um, yeah, uh, look, big injury cloud hanging over him. Uh, he's not going to play at the HSBC Champions this week. Um, his TBA on the President's Cup, that knee's still um, keeping keeping him out of playing golf. So, look, I think, um, I think you know, he... I do think he's probably trying to get himself right for the President's Cup. I, I, I would half expect well. him. I would half expect him to arrive in Melbourne on Wednesday and and play on Thursday and maybe be the best player at the the, the tournament. Yeah, across the four yeah, days probably the an eighty percent Brooks is probably better than a hundred percent half the others. So, mm. look, um, he he goes in my losers column this week just simply for the for the fact that uh, there's a big injury cloud hanging over him, and I know that he won't want to be missing too much more golf. Um, before before obviously we get into a massive 2020, uh, 2020 years. So um, they're my three losers for the weekend, KM. Um, let's have a look in South Korea as we do a bit of a whip around the grounds, the BMW Championship, mate. Yes, absolutely. So the LPGA headed to Busan for the BMW Ladies Championship where Hana Jang uh, was crowned victorious, a, a local South Korean getting up in front of the home crowd. She sat one back off the lead ahead of the final round after magnificent rounds of 69, 67, 68. Final round 65 saw her sitting comfortably before the Danielle Kang train stormed home, Drews. Danielle Kang with eight birdies in the final 13 holes to force a playoff. It took Jang three playoff holes to steal the deal, uh, but she did go on to win in the playoff. Crowned Champion and now forces a decision uh, for Hana Jang uh, about a f- potential full-time return to the LPGA. So she previously has won four times across her two and a half years, 2016-2017, on the LPGA before withdrawing, citing a desire to return home to her native Korea, where I think she's won, uh, I think, 10 or 12 times now in the local Korea mm. tour. So she is obviously a player of immense talent uh, to, to have the ability to win four times in two and a half years on the LPGA, decide to go home, win another 12 times in Korea. And then lo and behold, when the LPGA swings by the local doorstop, she goes and wins the thing, the BMW yep. Ladies Championship in Busan. So Hana Jang with the decision to be made there, but she will be no doubt celebrating a fantastic uh, victory in the playoff Kane. That she will. Great uh, and exciting scenes too. What about Portugal, uh, Drew? So the European tour headed to the lovely, delightful uh, island of Portugal uh, for the Portugal Masters. Yeah, um, and an exciting uh, tournament there. It was was exciting tournaments all around on the big three, I suppose. Uh, Stephen Brown, uh, the Englishman, uh, winning his maiden European tour title with a one-shot victory, of course, at the Portugal Masters, as you mentioned. Uh, He entered... The final regular event of the season, 150th on the race to Dubai rankings. Um, so you just needed a good week uh, and then he would have kept his card for 2020. Um, he's done that and more. Um, he started the final day three shots off the lead, carded a 65 in, in the third round and then turned in a 33, a birdie on the 11th, put him into the position where he obviously kept his card and eagle on the next had him at 17 under and then uh, nerves of steel from, from, the, uh, from the Englishman uh, he finished a, so- a shot clear, rather, of South African duo Brandon Stone and, and Justin Walters. So uh, Stephen Brown with an impressive uh, come from behind victory. You don't often see that uh, anymore on on the PGA or the Euro Tour or the LPGA. Uh, it's generally, whoever's leading after three rounds, um, 
generally speaking, uh, is probably more than likely going to win this uh, win the tournament. So, um, good on Steve. What a win! I and I absolutely love and and we do on this program. Uh, we've spoken about it a number of times already. Seeing a player go into a tournament simply searching to secure, yeah. uh, you know, the future it's happened a lot this year. year. Absolutely, looking to you know pay the bills, put the food on the table next year by securing their card, and they end up winning a tournament. I love that. I love that sort of stuff. I love those unassuming winners, Druids, yeah, who are, are are searching for something or a goal, probably a little larger than the tournament itself, with, with no real uh, ambition or hope of winning the thing, and they go in there with with that sort of pressure taken off them, so to speak, and and it, and it pays dividends. So great it's to when see you play from, your best golf. No pressure. It's like 100%. when you hit a provisional ball off the tee. You just generally you bomb your provisional ball because you've all the pressure's off, and you just go and whack another one. Oh, 100 uh, percent. And Drew's the he. Yeah, I, I thought it was fantastic to see Stephen Brown, kind of particularly as you say there. It was a it was a run of pars uh, in the final few holes to hold off the fast finishing South Africans. So great to see Stephen Brown secure his maiden maiden European Tour title. Hats off to him. Absolutely. Now, Drewster, I didn't uh, want to let this episode go without acknowledging that last Friday marked the 20th anniversary of Payne Stewart's death. Of course, Payne yes. Stewart, um, a, a, a much-loved character uh, on the PGA Tour in the, uh, in the 90s. He was uh, a character at a time where the game was very, <laughs> very stuffy. Absolutely. And, and, a, and a person who... Uh, for those who may not necessarily be familiar with Payne Stewart's style, if you know Bryson DeChambeau now, the way he wears his clothes is very much, yeah. I suppose, taken inspiration from Payne Stewart. It's that peaky blinder type cap. He yeah. doesn't go as far as the um, the the britches that that Payne Stewart used to wear with the yeah. with the high tweed socks. But yes. uh, Payne, Payne was a, the knickerbockers. That's exactly a character where golf was desperately crying out for one because it was so rigid. It was so set in its ways. It was full of players respectfully who were outstanding, but, but woefully boring. Yep. And he brought a, a sense of character, uh, a sense of uh, humor probably to the tour that it hadn't previously seen. And for that, he was wildly, wildly popular. But of course uh, on the 25th uh, of October back in uh, 1999, he uh, unfortunately set foot onto that fateful flight, N47BA, the Learjet 35, leaving Orlando Airport, and uh, and and never came back down. That the plane, of course, tragically crashing and and pain, and many of the people on board losing their lives tragically. So he, he touched the the tour in so many ways. His his two children, his son now actively involved in golf. And of course, such a popular tour member and and there. So important for us to acknowledge the 20th anniversary of Payne Stewart's passing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and of course, a bloody good golfer in his own right as well. Three-time yeah. major champion. Um, yeah, before his time in many ways. Oh, 100 percent. And and I think if I could make a recommendation to yourself and and to any of our listeners on Twitter. Kevin Robbins at KD Robbins, hmm. who is uh, he is uh, the the sports journalism head at the University of Texas, Hook'em Horns, um, but also uh, a hell of an author in his own right. He has written a book called The Last Stand. It's about the last year of Payne Stewart's life. Uh, go and get the foremost, but 
just take a take a read back through Kevin's uh, Twitter profile on Friday because he, if, using excerpts from the book, he kind of detailed the last, I suppose, uh, 12 hours of Payne's life on Friday via his Twitter account. It was a fascinating read. And, and I think gave an indication, not just about the, the, uh, the events leading up to his death, but also how his life was celebrated and how two, uh, two players from all over to a bit of subsidiary tours back in the nineties as well. Um, came in their drives to celebrate his life. So well worth a well worth a read Kevin Robbins Twitter profile from Friday. Absolutely. I'll go and uh, I'll go and check that one out once we finish recording. Last little bit of news before we get into a wrap of the Aussies. Uh, just a shout out to Campbell Rawson who uh, won the Victorian PGA. He beat Marcus Fraser by one shot. Of course Marcus Marcus Fraser has been a, a um a veteran on the European tour. Uh, it's a, the first uh, PGA Tour of Australasia victory for the 31-year-old Kiwi. So, well done to Campbell winning the Vic PGA um, over in Melbourne, which was a fantastic tournament from all reports. So, Loved his kit too. Did you see his polo shirt he's wearing? On the, yeah, on golf, the gods. Yeah, no, the golf Gods. Sponsored, the first play. Golf Gods-sponsored uh, player to win on the I've got their head covers PGA. too. I've got their head covers. Yeah, pay-to-play golf gods, but I love your kit. Yeah, uh, that toucan, really. uh, that 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 toucan polish yeah. that Campbell Rawson was wearing. Yeah. I'm very here for that. So good on you, Cam. Bring a bit of colour and spice to the Australian PGA Tour. Um, a quick whip around the grounds of the Aussies in the Portugal Masters. Jake McLeod finished T eight at twelve under. Of course, Stephen Brown winning uh, that tournament at seventeen under uh, at the Zozo. Uh, the Aussies never really threatening the action. Jason Day, six under. Adam Scott, three under. And then uh, Mark Leishman back at six over. At the BMW Ladies Championship, Sue O was nine under. Minji Lee finished uh, T16 and Hannah Green, T38. Sorry, uh, Drew, it's just to interrupt. Sue O there. At interrupt the, at whenever the, you like, mate. The, Sue O there at the BMW Ladies Championship. She may have finished back at nine nine under, but she was only two shots off the lead heading into yes. the final round. So she was there and there about Sue O. And, had a had a fantastic weekend there in Busan, so I, I would uh, hazard a guess to say that Suo is not too far away from from breaking through for victory on the LPGA Tour. I think you're absolutely right, and uh, Hannah Green picking up plenty of awards along the way as well. At the Foshan Open uh, on the Challenge Tour, Corey Crawford finished at 14 under. That was T12, uh, and then a bunch of Aussies, including. Mav Antcliffe uh, further back in the pack, so he finished at five under T57. Of course, go and check that episode out as well. And Just the- on our man, Mav Antcliffe, Droots, I was having a bit of a chat to him after he wrapped up there at the Foshan Open. Uh, not confirmed, but it looks like the European Tour card is a lock. Excellent. So he hasn't had official word because there is still one tournament left, of course. But the winner of the Order of Merit secures a, a, a non-conditional European tour card. Mav currently sits atop the order of merit and the purse for the final tournament of the season is smaller than the gap between him and the next player on the order of merit rankings. So for all intents and purposes, without the official word, and, and we will pop the champagne corks when it comes through, but it looks as though our man, Mav Antcliffe, is off to the European tour in 2020. That we will. Absolutely. Very, very exciting stuff. For Mav Antcliffe. Just before we do get into our President's Cups picks, KM. PGA Fantasy. For those who want to join, 
get on board because this league's getting big. We're up to five. Five players have joined the 19th Tee podcast. Two of them are us, but three, <laughs> three externals have joined. Uh, and Neck Oils with their first win of the weekend. 716 points. Big Owls Dingers at 712. Then yourself, Marshy, at 700. I was further back at 593. I had to be a little bit strategic this week. Uh, I had Rory sitting on the bench and I didn't really want to leave him. Uh, and, I, and I actually wanted to leave him there rather than use a play on him. So uh, I finished on 593. So I'm fairly certain that, um, look, that uh, it's... It's getting a little bit tight um, in in the uh, in the standings overall, but I'm fairly certain that I have leapfrogged you, my friend, that I'm now leading. I think. Well, I would suggest that you probably are. Uh, that yes. wouldn't be surprising. Uh, yes. As I pull up, you're up by sixty three. No, I'm yes. up by sixty three. So you're up by sixty three. Yeah. So back in your box. Uh, so, <laughs> and I haven't used Rory sure yet, so I'm happy. been ratified. Just, no, just or I'm ratifying them now. Uh, so. Uh, neck oils uh, on 3,092 as well. So PGA Fantasy, uh, get around us the 19th tee. You can uh, search that on the PGA Fantasy app. And we'd love to have you on board. And of course, it is the 19th tee podcast on Twitter and Instagram as well. KN, here's the, the time. time. Come. The, the time, time has come, come, my friend. Captain's we pick. We don't want to go on forever with our good friends who are listening in, but let's get into our captain's pick. And I'm going to throw to you to uh, take us away with your USA team, uh, the captain's picks. We have said uh, that you can make your four plus a fifth provisional in case Brooks doesn't play. So let's go, KM. Who are you going for? Right. So uh, as you alluded to, this was really picking three because uh, the big cat has picked himself. Yeah. Easy. I, I don't. I think in terms of the announcement, I don't think you'll name himself first. I think he, he's one for the theatre. I think he loves the drama. I think you'll name himself fourth, but he will be the first pick. There is Correct. no doubt about that. Eldrick Tiger Woods, first captain's pick. Number two for me, I think, is a man who may not necessarily be in the best form. And, and, and what I will preface is saying that this is most of my US captain's picks. Players who aren't necessarily in the best form right now, but who are uh, team golf, um, you know, made. They, they have the experience they have in team golf, uh, off, whether it's previous President's Cups or Ryder Cups, they are built for team golf. So number two for me is Ricky Fowler. I think there's no doubt that Ricky Fowler will be picked uh, off the course and, and around the group, as they like to say, get around the boys. I think that's, that's one of the qualities is he brings a certain level of calm uh, and a certain level of focus. So Ricky Fowler, number two for me. Number three uh, will be a polarizing pick, in my opinion. He's not an overly popular member of uh, the American setup, but I think the important thing is he's popular with Tiger. And it's a relationship that was struck at last year's Ryder Cup. They played together. Patrick Reed, I think, will be heading along to Royal Melbourne as the third captain's pick. So Captain America, Patrick Reed, loves team golf, absolutely loves sticking it to an opposing crowd. And when you think about the amount of fanatics that will be getting around Royal Melbourne, who will love getting stuck into Paddy Reed, but it will almost uh, fuel him, I think. This fourth one was agonizing. This could have been yeah, tough pick. Any, any number of players. I would have loved to have seen Salty get up, our man Kevin Nah. Yeah, I think he would have been a fantastic wild, I think. Fantastic pick. I, I think that uh, Tony Finau would have been a fantastic pick here. 
I think that potentially even uh, Gary Woodland, who I think is going to be terribly unlucky not to go, um, given he's the running US Open champion. I also think he played very well in front of Tiger over the weekend at the right time. But I think that Tiger wanted to see this man play well once, and he did so at last week's CJ Cup, and that's Jordan Spieth. How predictable. I think he will pick Jordan. I think I think that Jordan's previous experience in in team golf uh, sets him apart. I think his ability to partner with Justin Thomas, who will be a critical player for the U.S. team, sets him apart. And I think that, as I said, he's not where he was in previous uh, team events. But Tiger only needed to see him fire once, and he did so last week at the CJ Cup. His putting is is enough of where it needs to be to make a difference, particularly in in alternate shot golf. I think Jordan Spieth gets that fourth and final captain's pick. And if I had to name a provisional Drudes in case BK doesn't get up, in case Brooksy's knee uh, is a a little sore, uh, then I'm going to say Gary Woodland. I think Gary Woodland will be the the man on on the outer waiting uh, for the tap on the shoulder. Okay. I knew you were going to pick Jordan Spieth. Well, I don't know how you can't. The man's the man's made for team. Right, the bloke's best finish has been a T eight. Yep, in 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 four rounds time. in four round stroke play, my friend. It is a different beast, team golf, and he absolutely loves it. Anyway, you cannot pick may, him. You cannot pick him on form. May not be your pick, my friend, but it's mine, and I think it'll be Tigers. So talk to me, <laughs> USA. Right. Number Fruit one, stuff. number one, the great man. He's there. T Woods. T He's Woods. in. I've gone Ricky Fowler as well. I think that's a great pick. I think it's an absolute lock. I think uh, he loves team golf, um, loves the boys, as he mentioned. So I reckon, I reckon he's a pick as well. Uh, and here's where we start to differ. We were talking about this in the week where we were going to differ. Um, I've gone Gary Woodland here. I, th- I think he's shown enough, as you mentioned, um, to, to warrant a pick. Um, so he has got my, uh, he's got my nod there. I've also gone Tony Finau as well. I think, um, I think he's a hugely underestimated golfer, Tony. Um, he's he's having a he's having a good season. Um, look, you know, T nine at, at the Shiners didn't have a great week at the Zozo. Absolutely agree. Um, but what he showed in twenty nineteen was was huge. Um, and I think he is going to be a, a player that is going to play a lot of team golf moving forward. My fifth and provisional pick. Uh, just if they do want to go with a little bit of youth, I uh, I think. Matt Wolf might be a pick here. Uh, I know he's only really young. Um, you know, this was a real toss of the coin between Matt Wolf, Patrick Reed, uh, someone of of that um, of that nature. I th- the only thing uh, I think going against Patrick Reed's selection is how he's going to get on with other team members. Uh, there's no secret that he's not the most liked player on tour, uh, so um, that's why I've left him out. Potentially, um, absolutely, he deserves to be there on merit, but it'll be interesting to see how that works in a, in a team dynamic. But look, both of our five five picks, I think, are very, very capable of lining up at Royal Melbourne and, and would uh, all play very good golf. How about the internationals, came? This, for me, was more about uh, team makeup and dynamic than anything else uh, because I think, you know, there was a plethora of options available to Ernie Els, but he has to go with what suits the balance of his team the best. And bearing in mind, he's got so many first-time players, and that 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 you know that that is, you cannot buy experience, cannot buy experience. So they've got, they've got so much talent, but you know, are you going to be overawed by the situation? So bearing that in mind, I think Jason Day is a lock. Put him there. Uh, I think he I think he would have been regardless, but I think he's found a little bit of form, 
in the past couple of weeks, uh, particularly, and I know that it was a bit of a Mickey Mouse event, but particularly at the skins. Uh, and, and ironically, Drudes, I think that the way that the skins is played and, and the manner in which it's played is quite similar to probably the dynamic of the banter between teams in team golf. So he obviously thrived under those conditions uh, in Japan at the Skins game, and I think he'll do so again at Royal Melbourne. So Jason Day, number one. Number two, uh, Drudes, uh, is Adam Hadwin, the Canadian. Uh, so number of reasons for this. He's uh, an older head. He's been around the President's Cup before. He took half a point off uh, this combination of Spieth and Thomas last time round, which is no, no mean feat for an international player. He's the highest-ranked Canadian on uh, the OWGR ladder. He regularly rubs shoulders uh, with these American players, so he's not going to be overawed by the situation. And I think just important to bring in a, a, a token Canadian into the team. So Adam Hadwin, for mine, goes in. Number three is the PGA Tour Rookie of the Year reigning, Sung Jae Im. Uh, there's no doubt about this for mine. I think you know the, the pure volume of golf that he's put together over the past 10 to 12 months means he's, he's had plenty of opportunities to show Ernie what he's made of. And I think Ernie uh, has, you know, has picked him out by name on a number of occasions and he's been very impressed. He's always just there and thereabouts, Drew. like he was nowhere to be seen in the first two rounds of the Zozo on the weekend and yeah, flew, flew home, into it. Yeah. Flew home to finish at 12 under. I also know that his ability to not be necessarily overawed by his opponents. You know, he's, he's been playing so much on the PGA Tour, the reigning rookie, as we said, rookie of the year. So Sung Jae-in for mine goes straight in for Ernie. And, and this fourth pick, uh, it, roll the dice, could, yeah. could have been anyone. Where does he go? Does he go with a South African, you know, to to round out uh, that, you know, you've got Louis Eastas in there, but there's so many people. Fratelli, go. Fratelli Brandon Grace. Eric Van Roy, and there's so many options there for him. Does he go to one of his countrymen um, to round out his four? Does he go to one of the South Americans? Does he go to Joaquin Neiman, who he, you know, when, when Joaquin uh, won earlier in the year on the PGA Tour, he singled him out and said he loved the way he goes about the game. Does he go Sebastian Munoz, El Jefe, who also is a winner on the PGA Tour this year and, and brings a different element? I haven't gone with any of those. Who have you gone, gone with? I've gone with a man who played down in Australia, familiar with the conditions, has a game that I think is is well suited to the sand belt. No Ernie's conscious of is getting the dynamic right between all these different cultures. Critically brings a a, a sort of a, a muse or a vice for Sung Jae-in, and that's Ben Arn. So Ben Arn is my fourth captain's pick. I think Ben Arn, uh, I think Ernie really likes what he can bring to offset the game of, of, of Sung Jae-in to you know, be a familiar face and, and culturally a, a tie there for Sung Jae-im in the team, but also a player, as I said, who performed quite well on our run of tournaments last summer, is familiar with our conditions and, and quite suited, I think, in his game to the sand belt. Well, you're not going to believe this. All for the same? Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> I've got and Jason you thought Dace. I was definitely going somewhere else on the fourth because I don't know if I get six other going. names. Well, after you picked Jordan Spieth, who knows where you were going. Um, <laughs> I've gone Jason Day, Sung Jae-im. Uh, I had third, Benny Arn, uh, and fourth, Adam Hadwin. Um, I had Adam Hadwin with a bit of a line ball with Wuck and Neiman, so... I don't know. I'm with you, mate. Uh, like that that way, that, that President's Cup team's going to... Uh, uh, sorry, the international team at the President's Cup is going to be a, a line ball 
across all four picks. So oh, just we'll so see how close so we are come next week. Available. Hey, I'm looking forward to both Tiger and Ernie put uh, put their picks forward next week, and and as you say, we'll uh, we'll round and see how close we got but yeah I just I, I don't envy them because the choices are, are, are incredibly difficult particularly for Tiger when you consider he's now picking three because he's, he's obviously picking himself so obviously. he's only he's in. only picking three obviously a great man Drew so before we wrap up a quick look ahead to action this weekend so the LPGA heads to the Tashi Golf and Country Club in Taiwan for the Taiwan Championship $2.2 million purse. So they continue their Asian swing. Whereas the PGA Tour, uh, they're going uh, to the islands. They're going to Bermuda uh, uh, for the Bermuda Championship at the Port Royal Golf Course. $3 million purse. So yeah. if you don't mind, I wouldn't, be, wouldn't mind going off to Bermuda to hit a golf yeah. ball this weekend. Well, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what that lineup looks like there. Um, obviously... Um, the the WGC HBS, Jesus Christ, how many letters in that? WGC HSBC champions uh, is in Shanghai as well, playing for 10.25 million. So I'd suggest that most of the world's great players are going to be there <laughs> rather than in Bermuda as to, even though Bermuda does look quite nice. Um, was that, and as you say, the HSBC uh, does the Asian swing. That's at the that Shishan Golf Club in, uh, I believe, Chinese Pei. Yes, so that's the it should be a really swing. exciting tournament, I think. Absolutely. So, a couple of uh, couple of great things to look at over the weekend in terms of the the two on the uh, on the PGA. Obviously, the the bigger names most likely going uh, to Chinese Taipei, but also for the the ladies as well as they continue their Asian swing. Now, Drewster, just yes. before I let you go, yes. uh, remiss of us not to mention this, probably right back at the top of the news section. Yes. Did you catch Bubba Watson's tee shot oh. off the par five sixth at the so so? I love that. <laughs> I love that the ball like ended up where it did intentionally, as opposed to like if I was teeing off, that that's where the, it just it accidentally end up. I just love it. Our listeners, oh my god! And if you haven't, go seen and watch it. the video. You just have to yeah. watch the video. You can't. Oh, there's not much we can do by way of justice degrees? to this. Well, I think if you think about it like this, and the, and the video is available via the PGA Tour's Instagram account, but if you think about it like if you were to tee uh, off directly at right angles on a tee box on a par five that dog leg to the right, in order to essentially what Bob has done is why would I go up and try and hit three shots around the corner yeah. when I can just hit through the trees on the right of the tee box and end up where I want to end up anyway? Yeah. Essentially, that's what Bob has done. Good but on him, though. He's, he's pretty much shaved. Um, the tee box sign. That's yeah. how. That's how directly right. Yeah, it was close, went. wasn't it? Unbelievable. It's just. It's go it's, and watch it. Were you at all surprised when you saw it was Bubba? No, that, that was my reaction. It's Bubba if you, doing Bubba. If thing. there was one player that was going to do that on tour, it's absolutely Bubba Watson. Unbelievable. I just awesome stuff. We, we couldn't. We couldn't go without mentioning that Drew. That was potentially need more uh, of it. That, 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 you know, if Tiger was 1A, that may be 1B for the weekend in terms of Correct. highlights. Correct. Absolutely agree. <laughs> Absolutely agree. Go and watch right, it. It's been a pleasure. As, as we always say, don't forget to get around us on the socials at the 19th T podcast on Instagram and on Twitter. We are building uh, somewhat of an impressive, uh, if we don't mind yep. saying so ourselves, uh, catalog of previous episodes, a couple of player interviews there with Maverick Ancliffe, 
and Becky K, two Queensland professionals. And, mate, we are very excited about what's coming yes, in the next few names. weeks. So in terms of uh, the next few weeks, folks, because you and I are going on some trips, you're heading... Yes, yeah. Where are you heading, actually? Tell the listeners about your trip. I am heading down south to uh, the southwest of uh, WA, uh, and I'm going to play five courses in five days with one of my good mates. So uh, we are heading down on the way. We're going to play the cut. Then we play... Uh, where do we go next? Capel, Dunsborough Lakes, Bunbury and Bustleton. So five very nice courses from all reports. Very much looking forward to that. But uh, perhaps not as nice as uh, the one that you're going to play in New Zealand, Marshy. Yeah, so I'm off to Queenstown to celebrate the father-in-law's 70th birthday. Uh, and whilst I'm over there, I'm giving myself a present uh, yeah. of playing around at the beautiful Jack's Point Beautiful. At the foot of the remarkable. So I look forward to uh, taking you all on that journey via at the 19th T podcast on Instagram, uh, but reporting back uh, once I have returned from, uh, from the beautiful Queenstown. So very much looking forward to being a destination Debbie and getting That's off to one of the nicest golf brilliant. in the world in Jack's point. But what that means, Drudes is we are away for consecutive weeks. Yes. It so, does. Uh, obviously, we had two choices. Leave the listeners with no 19th T podcast. Not, not an option. Uh, or work our uh, little backsides off to get a few interviews in the can, which we've managed to do. So coming up in the next few weeks and super excited about these next couple of guests. Uh, next week, you will hear from the Vice President and Executive Director of the President Cup for the PGA Tour, Matt Kaminsky. Really, really awesome uh, fortunate yeah, to land Matt and, and get some time with Matt. We're going to obviously talk to him about all that goes into preparing for a tournament of the scale of the President's Cup, but this is his 11th President's Cup. Uh, so obviously he's got a great history with the tournament and looking forward to diving back into some of his favourite memories of the President's Cup. So uh, the VP and Executive Director for the PGA Cup next week, and then Drew, so the week after that, Signing wow, times. this is what we've been waiting for, my friend. We said yeah. way back in episode three that if we got him, that may well be the <laughs> Call pinnacle. it quits. Yeah, well, we said we call it quits and we may have to eat our words because we, we've reached the mountaintop, my friend. Muhammad has met us at the mountaintop. And by Muhammad, Lucas Michelle. Absolutely massive. Friend, Lucas Michelle, after you pestered him for 18 holes at WA Open working around. We loved it. Club has finally relented and agreed to come on the 19th T podcast. So really good chat too. He will be the week after we really, we, we thoroughly enjoyed. It. He was fantastic. Very generous with his time, Lucas, and he was an excellent, excellent chat. So Matt Kaminsky, Lucas, Michelle, in the next few weeks, we're also uh, looking forward to having it to uh, WA pro Whitney Hillier coming up. Uh, Whitney's been, uh, you know, blowing down the door on the ladies European tour, some outstanding results in the last couple of months. So really looking forward to having a chat to Whitney Hillier in the next few weeks. But Drewster, that, uh, that probably rounds us out for this week. Exciting it few does. weeks for listeners coming up. Huge. Exciting few weeks for you and I in terms yes. of trips. Yep, absolutely it will be. You, you enjoy well yourself, my friend. Yours is going to be a little more taxing than mine. I'm just no, playing the one so. course. You've decided yep. to play five in five. Yeah, so. why not? Why not? If you're going to do it, go the whole hog. So Don't no, that should, I'm very much looking forward to it. So I hope you hit them well at Jack's point. And I hope you uh, spam the Instagram feed as well. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing the photos from that. So go well, Marshy, and uh, hit some uh, nice golf shots along the way. 
You too, Drewster. Enjoy your trip and, and we both look forward to being back in your ears, 19th Tier Podcast listeners, in just a few short weeks. We'll see you then. <laughs>